Moncrief on News Talk. Time for So You Think You're an Adult, uh, uh, confusingly. Now on a Thursday, Barbara Scully and Declan Buckley join us once again. Good afternoon to you both. Hello. Hello, Hello there you are, loud and clear, and uh, 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 glad that you uh, uh, reset your, the alarm on your phones uh, to be with us today. Right, here's your first question today. I, I, I personally, I think this is a bit of a non-question, but here it is anyway. My partner is in his late 30s and is rapidly going bald, but he appears to be in the denial stage. There's a bald patch at the top, and then he is receding at the front, and the rest is thinning quite noticeably. I hate saying this, but I honestly think it looks just awful. I wish he would just shave it off and be done with it. I've tried to broach the subject two or three times but on each occasion he deflects and says that he isn't going bald or else he laughs it off at what I'm saying as a joke. It's getting to the point now where I'm beginning to recoil when he initiates foreplay because I don't even like touching his patchy head. Don't get me wrong, I love him and want to spend the rest of my life with him. I just want him to accept his baldness and then we can all move on. I'm sick of this interim stage, says this person who finds uh, their partner both attractive and repellent uh, at the same time. Uh, Barbara. Uh, well, a bit like you, Sean, I don't know where to start with this nonsense. And I'm assuming that the writer is a woman. Um, and I hope that she realises the irony in her letter, stating she wants to spend the rest of her life with this guy, but complaining about his thinning hair. Because, lady, believe me, it's all only going downhill from here on in. It's all <laughs> going to get a whole lot worse than a bit of an old ball patch and a bit of a thinning hair. Um, you know, there's going to be all kinds of cha- physical challenges that you're going to have to deal with in the years ahead if you're serious about spending the rest of your life with this guy. So, you know, you really need to get over yourself right now. Um, like, leave him alone. Unless he asks for your opinion, you do not have the right to demand that he does something with his head that he clearly doesn't want. Want to do I mean clearly if the if, if his baldness is starting at the top of his head he can't see it so therefore it isn't bothering him um but you can't insist that he shave his head in order to get over this as you call it interim stage the other thing that absolutely fascinates me as regularly fascinates me with stuff that comes up as you know on this slot is that um I'm sure you can manage foreplay or even full sex without touching the ball patch on the top of his head unless there's something going on here that I don't know about. I know. I this image this guy is going, touch my head, touch my head. (laughs) (laughs) That's the bit that really fascinates me. But, you know, maybe there's something I need to know about this. Well, though, interestingly enough, uh, and you know, obviously I'm bald and I have pretty much a shaved head. Uh, and it's one of those things that um, few drinks, public place. And, you know, it's happened to me many times that people want to kind of touch it. Uh, uh, oh. I, yeah, which is a bit, inv- <laughs> a bit you know, yeah. uh, it's a bit invasive. But uh, it, it, there is something, it seems, some people who've maybe never touched a shaven head uh, want to stroke <laughs> it for some reason. <laughs> Uh, I'm very. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I did that, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, but apart from it... your sexual harassment of Vita, then what, what should this person do? I mean, isn't it funny though that people think it's like a switch that you go from being a full head of hair to this kind of perfectly baldness? But I mean, it's like it's a process, and even even if you did shave your head when you're kind of thin and out of it, it doesn't become this kind of. Kojaki kind of smoothness without kind of time or 
a lot of kind of maintenance. So there's either two things going on here. One, either this guy is actually genuinely in denial. He's in denial about what he's going through. And that's his prerogative, you know, mm. facing our kind of failing bodies is a difficult thing for all of us. But maybe he's actually at the other end. Maybe he's just actually accepted it to the point that he's going, sure, this is what's happening. And it's going to be a bit kind of interim, as this woman calls it, for a while. And and th- this is the way he's he's handling it, and that's also as Barbara said, it's completely fine. I think to, for her to kind of meddle in in kind of assume he needs to be done in a certain way is kind of like if, if the shoe was on, on the other foot, as we often try in this particular slot. Uh, yeah, people would be going mad saying you know it's outrageous. Just let him be, let him be. You know. That's that's all I got to say in the matter. Yeah, and it is, as you say, it's it, it is there. There actually, it's part of going bald that there is an interim stage where perhaps you don't see the baldness as much as other people do, or you know, because uh, if you stand in the right light conditions at a certain stage, now, it still looks like you've got a head and a head of hair. But then you know, one day, uh, <laughs> I can remember. I can remember walking into a shop, uh, and the, the you know the shop had one of those kind of uh, monitors behind the counter. Uh, that was for obviously if the place was wrong, oh, yeah. but uh, um, but it, it showed the back of my head, and I went, "Oh right, I can't deny it now." Uh, and oh, so yeah. there's usually a kind of an epiphany uh, like that, which will which will come to him. But even at that, people like bald people have different sorts of approaches to it. So not everybody shaves it all off. Some people like grow a weird pigtail at the back of their head with what they've got, or or uh, go for some or sort a comb of, over, or a comb over, yeah, like the Donald Trump, over. yeah. Yeah. Or, or you know, just and people do actually decide that, particularly if if it's if it's very happening to them when they're very young, um, or they have lots of extra cash to try. If they people try the kind of hair transplant route, maybe this guy is just working things. I don't know how old yeah. he is, and I don't know how much money he's got, and all that kind of thing. But for her to just to decide what way he is going to maintain his body is a bit kind of it's a bit problematic lady so back off is what I'm going to say yeah, yeah. He's, he's in his late 30s but there's those those pills you can get now I don't think they regrow the hair but they stop it falling out but uh, it might be too uh, late for that or he might be yeah Sorry, I mean, it's all part of this whole thing. Either we're going to make everybody really kind of conscious about our image and, and therefore we all have to try to stay looking like we were the day we first met our partners and, and lovers. And that means, you know, does that mean Botox and fillers and plastic surgery and hair transplants and boob jobs and nips and tucks? Or do we just go, actually, you know what? We are going to be on this journey of aging together. It has one definite end that we all deny, but that's where we're all going eventually. And then we just kind of, you know, enjoy the enjoy the journey as are the ride as they say yeah uh, well obviously they're not enjoying the ride uh, and that's, sadly that, that seems to be a problem uh, uh, for <laughs> I think it's just I think it's just her that's not enjoying the ride he seems to be grand <laughs> yeah he seems but, uh, but like should she say anything to him or should she just you know no, no no she shouldn't say anything to him I mean you know I hate the way that we always say this if the shoe was on the other foot but it's actually true I mean if he was writing in saying I don't know whatever about her appearance needed to be sorted out particularly something that was connected with getting older um, people would rightly be saying that back off like it's none of your business and Declan's right I mean this whole kind of I think paranoia we have at the moment um, about getting older um, about you know maintaining some kind of mad look which we think is better than actually looking our age I, I really don't understand and it is such a waste of time and money because ultimately it is a losing battle you're fighting so the sooner you make peace with it and get over it and enjoy your life and all the other stuff that's important the better 
Yeah, and actually, interesting enough, now, this is just totally anecdotal, but I, 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 just my observation is over the last year, because people haven't been able to dye their hair, uh, yeah, more people yeah, are, are, are showing their natural hair colour, and they're kind of now going, well, actually, I kind of like it. Uh, um, yeah, uh, well, Magoo here is Yeah, Magoo, you and your hair, and you look fabulous yeah. with it. Oh, thanks, and it's very Ernie. liberating. Yeah, yeah, it is. It oh. is very liberating. And you know what I really like is that women have taken back silver hair. Because before the pandemic, if you saw a woman out with silver hair, you assumed she was 80 plus. <laughs> Whereas now there's women in their 40s and 50s and you're going, you know what? What were we What were we doing? It actually looks fine. Um, it doesn't, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's going to save you a lot of money and time that you can do other things with. Um, having said that, I still am very excited that I have a hair appointment in about three weeks' time in order to get my hair cut. <laughs> the colour the color, the is staying, but right. it definitely needs to be cut. Yeah. I have three kids, two girls and a boy, all in their late teens and early 20s. I rarely worry about my son, if I'm honest. He's very tall and loves working out and can certainly fend for himself. However, I find I constantly worry about my daughters, and I mean 24-7 worry. All that's happened over the last few months with Sarah Everard and hearing all the stories from women across the country has really made me even more nervous, but my anxiety started before then. I find myself texting and ringing them all the time. I'm sure they think I do it too much. On nights when I know that they are at a friend's, etc., I've logged in to find my phone as we're all synced together so I can see where they are. I've never been this nervous before. I'm not sure when I became so anxious. I have started having trouble sleeping because my dreams go to awful places. I really don't know how to re-establish a normal, manageable level of maternal anxiety that doesn't rule my life or theirs. Declan. Well, I'm just, I, this really upset me because there's a lot going on there. For obviously, mm. there's the, the broader kind of social comment on uh, the individual case of Sarah Everard in London in March. And then there's, you know, the countless stories that people describe of the the kind of violence that women experience from kind of less severe to to, to murder, as happened with uh, that woman around Setzig. Saren George, I think is how you pronounce her name, mm. um, recently as well. And I mean, obviously, as these stories are, are in the news, the sense that it's a dangerous place out, out there for women is in the forefront of people's minds. Um, it's, I suppose it's it's normal for a parent to want uh, their children to be safe and 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 happy. And uh, unfortunately, though, there's no foolproof way of making sure your children are protected at all time. And it's a kind of, I think it's a highway to hell to start worrying about everything that could possibly happen to this person. I do believe that these are two separate issues. The world being a kind of a quagmire is one one aspect. And this woman believing that that quagmire is going to visit on her own family, which is an entirely different thing. Because life is unpredictable. Often, yes, randomly harsh and, and horrible, cruel events happen. But because they're happening out there doesn't mean they're always going to happen to you. It doesn't mean, you know, the, it's on the cards. Um, which, which, which makes me believe that this problem isn't about this woman's concern about her, her, her children. But instead, this, there's something else happening with her. Um, mm. The anxiety, the kind of the, 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 the negative thinking, the, the lack of sleeping and all that. Um, she, she says that it's, it's a recent phenomenon. Um, I, I wonder, this is just a, like a random sideway on this, but I wonder whether or not she's had a personal experience and that, that these stories have kind of uprooted some kind of buried thinking and whether there's a touch of post-traumatic stress disorder going on there. If not... I, 
the, it's very normal, as we've talked about on this segment a lot, to, for us to feel, I mean, there's a lot of dark feeling at the moment. This, this pandemic has been going on far too long, even though there is light at the end of the tunnel for many of us, it still has been dreary and, and heavy and, and hard to handle. So to be feeling a bit kind of uh, wearisome during this time is completely normal. I wonder whether she she's actually expressed her feelings and her fears to, to her children, because sometimes that might be the way for her to, 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 to unburden herself from some of the kind of the more extreme thinking, having proper conversations with her daughter about the actions and, and the, 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 the precautions that they take or even just the conversations that their friends might be having about, about all of that stuff. Um, and also for, for this woman herself to, to, to express what she's thinking because that is, I think, at the core of what's going on. I'm, I mean, she, I think she needs to express her, her fears because um, until she does, I think she's going to have a very difficult uh, time moving away from from that kind of thinking. Mm, yeah, Barbara, do you think is this maybe lockdown connected or lockdown has exaggerated it? If you like, well, it could be, but in my experience, this is something that is extremely common, um, mm. and, and I wouldn't necessarily think that it is anything connected with lockdown. I think as a parent who's had girls in their late teens and early 20s actually it's one of the good things about lockdown I was only talking about this with a friend the other day saying do you know what we're no longer worrying about them coming home or listening for the taxi outside or the key in the door because there's nowhere to go they're all at home so in actual fact you know that is one of the slight upsides but coming back to this woman I mean I totally identify with what she says and I know what this stress and worry feels like um and it's very bad for you you know it was something that that I experienced probably with with my eldest um, that I did and and there's a kind of a madness that you kind of feel that if you're being a proper mother or a proper parent you should be worrying and you should be staying awake and you should be fretting about all of this which of course is absolute nonsense yeah Um, so you know all that you know in order for her to try and deal with this the first thing I would say to her is staying awake checking your phone, looking up the, whatever it is, the, the, the log, login, your find, find my phone in order to find out where your, your girls are. All of that is achieving nothing. It's not being in any way useful or helpful. It's not going to play any part in keeping them safe. It is a complete and utter waste of time, as is staying awake to hear them come in the door. They're going to come in the door whether you're awake or whether you're fast asleep. So that's the first thing I would say. Second thing I would say, because that's all very easy to say, but it's very difficult to stop your mind in the deep, darkest, you know, at night, everybody's asleep. There's nobody to talk to. And your mind is churning up this stuff. I'm now going to say something that's going to damage my street credibility probably forever and will possibly cause me to get sacked Mm. from news talk. (laughs) But I'm only sharing it because I found this very helpful myself. When I tried to stop myself going down this rabbit hole, I consciously shifted the burden of worry to the angels. Archangel Michael, I was told, was the archangel of protection. And I used to say when I went to bed, right, Archangel, you take over now. I'm going to sleep. Um, and it worked. I felt I was given over the thing. I've no idea whether angels exist, by the way. I don't ever, I have no idea whether there is an Archangel Michael, but it was whatever it was, it worked a magic trick in my head that enabled me to turn off the constant going around in circles. Once you have your phone and it's charged and it's beside your bed, you will be called if there is a problem. And if there isn't a problem, 
99 times out of 100, they're going to come home quite safe and well and fine. And I think the other thing I would say to this mother is that by the time your kids get to this age, you've done all the work. You have, you know, you have parented them. You've done your best. You've explained to them how to try and stay safe and yet be independent and all the rest of it. And although they probably give you the impression most of the time that they're pretty clueless, they're actually not as clueless as they let on. So um, I would really say to you, make a huge effort to stop that because there is that other place in your head that says you're being a great mother because you're doing all this worry. You're Mm. not. You're actually going to make yourself ill um, and you need to stop it and get a handle on it. Um, And as I say, whatever trick you need to, to tell your mind to switch off. That's all. That's the only thing you need to do is tell your mind to switch off from this stuff um, and relax knowing that you have a phone beside your bed. You will be called if anything happens. But worrying about it and all of that is actually not achieving anything other than potentially destroying your mental and physical health. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Though I must say, I, I, I was interested to see, and this is notwithstanding the, 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 the genuine fears and concerns women have uh, every time they leave the house, but she has no concerns about the young fella, yeah. about the son. <laughs> uh, whereas, like, you know, you can be in, uh, you can be out at a nightclub, some fella says something to you, you say something back to him, and you get stabbed. Uh, um, so yeah. there's just as much risk there. Oh, that's not going to help that woman at all. Uh, go with no. Barbara's answer, a bit of prayer. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the way to solve the whole thing. Uh, well, right. I collect my P60 on the way out. Right, okay. we, we, we remember you in our prayers, Barbara. Uh, we, we, uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show and you talk. We do have to take a break. After that, my boyfriend is too much of a prankster. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, Barbara Scully and Declan Buckley are still with us for the second part of So You Think You're an Adult. Yes, on a Thursday, as we've been telling wow. you for many weeks. Uh, anyway, here's, a, well, actually a few comments on, on uh, the person that uh, wrote into us about uh, their partners going bald and they don't like it. Michael says that the bald mullet is the maddest decision I've ever seen. I always just assume the guy has lost a bet or is conducting some sort of social Social experiment. Uh, um, <laughs> though the, the the mullet is back. The young people like the mullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You feel like going up to them saying, oh, "I smoke tabs, me," but they don't know what that's a yeah. reference to. Uh, uh, Connor, a barber's right says, "Connor, imagine you said to your wife, you're looking a bit wrinkly there. Will you ever get some Botox?" And uh, for the anxious mother. Very few people texting in, just wondering, uh, might it be menopause related? Because there is an increase in stress there. We, but oh, you know, for God's sake. Yeah. Jesus, everything you could write everything off to the menopause. Anyway, I'm with my boyfriend about four years, living together for the last one and a half years. Over the last six months, he started playing practical jokes on me, and it really bothers me. He's done the throwing a cold a glass of water on me while in the shower. He stacked too many tins in a press and the minute I opened the door they collapsed on top of me. He soaked me with a garden hose drawn on my face while asleep. I mean the list is endless. He finds it hilarious and the more I tell him how much I hate it the more he does it. He has said so many times sure do them back to me but I hate them. Why would I? I've told him I've reached a point where he is making me question living with him, but he's not hearing with me. I don't want to uh, encourage him, but should I do one massive prank that upsets him to give him a taste of his own medicine? I think if I was to destroy his video game console, he would see the funny side, and maybe he wouldn't see the funny side, and maybe I could get through to him. I'm fed up looking around corners of the house in case there's another way to get at me. Any thoughts? Barbara. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah like this is 
I don't, I, I don't know where to start with this. I mean, I don't know how old the boyfriend is, but he sounds about 10, mm. which is probably <laughs> too young to be living with a woman. Uh, because, like, these... This pr- I'm all for practical jokes and pranks, and I'm the victim of them regularly in this house, but they're funny. Throwing cold water on somebody in the shower or right on their face when they're asleep or well, soaking with the garden hose, maybe. I don't know that one. But the other two, they're just not funny anyway. Um, so I really, like... I mean, if you're going to play a prank on somebody, it's normally because it is funny and the reaction of the person is funny. But if the person is just getting really angry, mm. either there's something wrong with the boyfriend and that's the response that he wants and he thinks that's great entertainment or he's, she's not getting angry enough that he doesn't really think she's angry. He thinks she think you know, that she thinks that this is a bit of crack, like, hey, I've been caught, aren't you great? Um, before, destroying his video game console is probably a little bit radical at the moment, but I'd, I'd hold it there just in case. What I would suggest to this woman to do first is go down the other road, start to cry. If you can turn on the waterworks uh, easily, cry the next time he does it to you just sit down and cry and say i'm really upset that was horrible it really hurt or you know that was really horrible i don't know why you hate me and sob away that might sort him out either that or i have this overwhelming thing to just give him a smack because he sounds as if he's really about five or six years of age i don't smack i didn't smack my children by the way i'm not suggesting anybody smacks their kids but he sounds like a sadist yeah, so I think his, his game console could be in the firing line down the line uh maybe he's just thick declan yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he might have been radicalized by some idiot on YouTube. I mean, he I, I, these I see a lot of young guys. I think I think that they believe they're going to become like uh, internet famous by by filming these acts of of, of comedy, mm. so called comedy. Uh, but most of the time, they're actually not even that funny at all. They just come across as it's like mild to moderate bullying. Because uh, as Barbara says, there's nothing funny about those things no. at all. Drawing on your face in permanent marker, oh, gas, I've got to go to work in the morning. You know, come on, cop on. Um, now, the, the, the initial thinking is, uh, oh, he is, he just likes to see you laugh. And who doesn't like to see the people they love smiling and, and having a good time? So, you know, that's his motivation. But hang on, you're not actually laughing. So, you know, just that's, this is not working. Um, there's also the kind of idea that he thinks he's some kind of a, a funny man, um, but comedy is about timing. Uh, it's mm. not about all the timing. And sometimes are the wrong times for a gag and he's clearly choosing the wrong times. The, but the most sinister thing for me is that this woman has clearly asked him to stop several times and he's ignoring that request. He's working on ignoring her 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 her. her her request he's ignoring her needs and he's plowing on with his kind of selfishness and that's a bit that's a bit the red flag to me i think that that's the bit that i think is the most is the most worrying because regardless of of, of the nature of the the behavior the fact that she's asked him to stop and he's ignoring that is that's that that's beyond immature that's actually kind of uh for me, that's like, you know, dump him territory. Um, I, you know, I, I like Barbara's idea about, you know, turning on the, the tears. The only problem is, is that, you know, like the boy that cried wolf. I mean, just uh, when do the tears, when are tears not enough, you know? So I think if he, he's not actually, maybe she's right. Maybe she just needs to take his PlayStation and throw it out the window and go, oh, I thought that's what we were doing, hurting each other and pretending <laughs> it's a prank. Because, you know, I don't get what this is about. Grow up. Yeah, or blew up his car. Uh, the, uh, uh, Kira says, practical. Uh, uh, j- if he likes practical jokes, I say just dump him. 
Uh, practical <laughs> jokers are just bad people. Someone else yes. says the boyfriend is not playing pranks. It's domestic abuse. Uh, yeah, leave yeah, the they're... bully while you still can. Uh, and Eugene suggests prank the guy by changing the locks. Uh, <laughs> when he's on which the other a, side. Yes, when he's on the other yeah. side, which yeah. is effectively the same thing. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that doesn't look good, really, does it? No. Uh, or maybe this is one for Archangel Michael. Uh, maybe oh, it's shut up. or a bit I, of prayer. Yeah, yeah, yes, that that, <laughs> might, that might do the trick. Barbara and Declan, uh, uh, blessings of God be upon the pair of you. Thanks very much for uh, talking with us today. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We are going to take a break. Uh, after that, we're going to be discussing whether Stephen Hawking was really just an overpuffed celebrity. But before we go uh, to the break, uh, today something very historic happened on this day. It was, of course, the Hindenburg disaster. But we don't really care about that. We want to tell you about this. It was the last ever episode of Friends. Wow. I know. Seems smaller somehow. Has it always been purple? (laughs) Look around, you guys. This was your first home. And it was a happy place. Filled with love and laughter. But more important, because of rent control, it was a friggin' steal. Hey, do you realize that at one time or another, we all lived in this apartment? Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I haven't. What about that summer during college that you lived with Grandma and you tried to make it as a dancer? Do you realize we almost made it 10 years without that coming up? Moncrief on News Talk.